From breach of warranty to negligence, the construction attorneys at Sandberg Phoenix are ready to assist you. Sandberg Phoenix's construction team identifies problems and finds solutions before, during, and after the construction process, freeing up your time and providing you peace of mind. Contact Sandberg Phoenix today at sandbergphoenix.com. That's sandbergphoenix.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertising. Welcome, everyone, to Build St. Louis, the region's new podcast that captures and shares the very heartbeat of construction and development. I'm your host, Carrie Smith, owner of Information Works, my writing firm. And in this episode, we're delighted to welcome Steve Bannis, Director of Graduate Studies in Construction Management Programs at Washington University in St. Louis. And as director, Steve does a lot of things, but some of them include providing strategic guidance, policy development, and departmental leadership. Steve also teaches and he serves as a faculty advisor to students, prospective students, and alumni. And I think it's important to note, and you'll pick this up in our conversation, I think that Steve's a non-traditional academic. And what that means is he's played a role in the field, in the construction industry for years, and he also teaches. So he brings a wealth of real-world construction industry experience to the classroom and to us this morning. During Steve's construction career, he was responsible for, directly, for more than $1 billion of construction work. So all that to be said, Steve, welcome to Bill. St. Louis. We're really glad you're with us. Well, Carrie, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Wonderful. Well, we look forward to learning from you on the topic that I dubbed, Why Don't Contractors Bid on Public Projects? Not to say they never bid on them, but we've certainly seen, at least from my vantage point in the cheap seats, we've seen kind of a shift in the interest level or number of bids specifically on public projects. And one that just comes to mind, Steve, that I think our St. Louis listeners can relate to is this past year, the downtown convention center in St. Louis America Center. Phase one, I think we saw few or no bidders, or maybe one bidder, and phase two, none. So just wondered if you could walk us through a little bit about the environment, at least in the St. Louis region right now, possibly across the country, but of that kind of lack of incentive, if that's the right way for me to put it, in submittals on public projects. Sure. The short answer to your question is that public projects are unattractive to contractors when we have a more robust marketplace. So we can get into the details of what makes a project attractive or unattractive. And in fact, really, there are lessons here for all owners, not just public works type of projects, there are issues that all owners should consider when taking a project to market. That makes sense. And I'm curious to learn about those. So specifically, if you could kind of walk us through, I mean, we don't need extreme details, but sort of the scenario as you saw it on America's Center, on the bids for that. I know it's like a $200 million expansion of our convention center in St. Louis, and I know it's two phases. And I believe there was just one bidder on the first phase, and it was over the amount that the city let, but they were it. So I believe they're performing that work, but they were it, weren't they? Yes. 
And it's unfortunate, but it is a sign of the times. Contractors today have to be pretty selective in their pursuit of projects. And so there are a number of things that factor into that attractiveness, if I can say that word. And I think, you know, when you start looking at what projects are available to bid, some of the public work projects become really much more unattractive. And part of the unattractiveness is risk. So I like to begin with kind of looking at the delivery systems that are used today and bringing construction projects to marketplace. Most cities, most governmental agencies use the traditional delivery system, which is also known as design, bid, build. And is, uh, is that like a hard they bid? Use, yes, okay. it is. So they use that because legally... They may be required to use that, but also even for private owners, there's a sort of comfort level with the traditional delivery system. We've always done it this way. We know how to evaluate bids. It's much easier to evaluate bids than it is to evaluate some proposals because of the variety in those different elements of delivery. And so that's one of the first elements in governmental agencies. So in the traditional delivery system, one of the the risk issues is that the owner is asking the contractor to take most of the risk, if not all of the risk, in terms of the way the contract is structured. So I'm going to provide you a bid that is strictly per plans and specs, that is for X dollars, and X dollars may include fraction of a dollar in terms of <laughs> dollars and cents. And I'm going to do that typically, I will complete this contract in so many working days. Okay. Well, when you ask a contractor to do that, oftentimes we're willing very willing to do that, but we also understand that the risks associated in the marketplace are ours. We're not going to get a change order if there is a delivery problem commonly today associated with many materials in our, like the supply in our chain project. The whole supply, supply chain. chain yeah. Issue. Okay. yeah. We also have to deal with the risks associated with inflation, whether that's good or bad. And so contractors are going to take kind of a, not necessarily worst case scenario, but they're certainly going to take those risks into account. That seems like it kind of almost sets things up to be a little more adversarial. In, I don't know if adversarial is the right word, but you're almost kind of the structure that seems like, especially today with all the unknowns, it's got to uh, be a tough thing. That is spot on. I use the word adversarial in all my teaching to describe the traditional delivery system. So if you've asked me to do that, right, bid this job strictly per plans and specs, et cetera, and I do that. And then you tell me on probably sometime on day one of the project, there's a discrepancy. There's an issue. Who's responsible for that issue? Right. I bid strictly per plans and specs. Maybe this isn't shown clearly on the plans. Maybe it's not shown at all on the plan. But the competitive bid world says, I can't try to fix problems by adding contingency money into my bid. Otherwise, I lose competitiveness. So very much sets up an adversarial relationship. The other element of that is in the traditional delivery system, there is no contractual agreement between design and construction. I was so just going to ask you about that. 
Yeah, it sounds like a squeeze play because if something's not right, it might not be the contractor, right? It's the engineering plans or the rendering or the architectural specs. And that talk about adversarial, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that seems like that just really gets to be a lot of finger pointing. Oh, absolutely. It's augmented by the way the whole deal is structured, right? So I can't go contractually. I can't go to the design team and say, how do we solve this problem? Because I have no legal relationship with the design team. So the hub of the project is the owner. So the owner gets drug into virtually every issue of conflict or dispute, and it just becomes really a more, and I'm going to choose this description, a more painful way to do business. Sure. And it seems like a more, the ball's rolling downhill or uphill, I guess. But it seems like if you're an owner and you want to be stay on schedule, those conversations sound like they're going to drag things out or stall things out or maybe deliver a project that isn't what the owner's expectations at the end of the day. Agree. Well, it makes sense then why it's not people aren't jumping to bid. If construction's busy and they can do a private sector job, why would they, I guess? That's exactly right. Again, as a contractor, by the way, this is very true for everyone on the contracting side. So this is not just general contractors or construction managers. This is also subcontractors and even material suppliers. They're assessing risk whenever they bid anything to anyone. So making the prior attractive becomes almost a necessity in today's market. When I was in the business, it was always a challenge. I wanted to have my best subcontractors bidding on the projects that we were pursuing. Well, they're being pressured by a number of others and a number of other projects. They've got to make risk-based decisions. In addition to what's the probability of being successful, they've got to make those decisions before they begin to pursue any work because every pursuit requires time and that's money. Wow. As you were speaking too, Steve, I thought about the time span or the length of contracts for like infrastructure, right? So like the ODOT interstate, you know, improvement project or pick any project, aren't they multi-year? They could be three, four, five-year, one or maybe five-year, but multi-year contracts. So the cost of materials and all those risks you're talking about seem like they're just stretched and the risk is greater because of the length of the work. That's very true. The longer the project the more complicated the project, the more expensive the project, the more risks there are to be assessed. Bringing up MoDOT, though, is a great example of an owner that is not necessarily utilizing the traditional delivery system. MoDOT, for a number of their projects, use design-build, which is a more complicated process. But what MoDOT has learned, if they allow a design-build process to be implemented for some of these major complicated construction projects. No, that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned early on, Steve, about the sometimes the legal limitations of municipalities or other public agencies in having to stick to the traditional bidding structure and mechanism. Obviously, sounds like MoDOT has the freedom to go with design build with the alternative delivery method. We don't want to maybe get into too much legal questions, but does it depend on you know local entity, state entity, federal entity, or upon specific projects? I think it's great that MoDOT has the freedom to do that, but I'm wondering about like, you know, IDOT or the city of St. Louis, or if there are other entities that could also have that freedom to choose something other than the traditional bid. 
could have the freedom to choose. I would argue that they do have the freedom to choose. The problem is it's necessary to maybe change the law in how design construction is procured to be more in tune with the delivery systems of today. I mean, most cities are relying on old law that basically says, if you want to go buy anything, you've got to go get bids. And it's easy, quite frankly, to get bids, right? I can hire somebody to design something or to write, let's take it out of construction for a minute. I can write a spec for something. Here's the copy paper we need to buy. And I can go out for bids on copy machine paper and I can award it to the low bidder. It's very simplistic. Mm -hmm. But when you apply that standard to something as complicated as design and construction, it just doesn't really make sense today to look at design and construction as a purchasing sort of decision. There's a lot of unknowns in that type of purchasing decision. And most owners, I think, today realize that the complexity of design and construction requires a different approach. So it's about changing the law for a lot of governmental agencies. Now, how do we change the law? And MoDOT, I know for a fact, MoDOT fought that battle in the state house. They went and had to present their argument for why the traditional delivery system wasn't always the best way to buy. So I think it requires a desire to do it, and it requires a willingness to, in effect, not only learn, but have within house some of the expertise necessary to be able to manage the process. The big line, and I would ask all owners to remember, or if they haven't heard this, to consider that buying design and construction services is not a purchasing decision. Delivery systems and choosing the right delivery system for your project is really about choosing the project execution strategy. So how are we going to execute this project? It's more than just the procurement. It's more than getting through bid day and sign contract and turning the project over to somebody to build. It's much, much more than that. And if you look at it as an execution strategy, now that takes into account design and pre-construction, takes into account construction, and even post-construction as we move forward in the use of that facility. Sure, that makes sense. Do you feel that this is not just the St. Louis region that is going through this mind shift in terms of potential project delivery? Do you think it's something that's coast to coast or is it dependent on, as you mentioned before, how robust the construction market is? Or do you think there's pockets or major cities across the country that are kind of going through the same transition? This is happening everywhere. There have been a number of other projects, state or local government projects that have faced some of the same struggles that St. Louis has faced. I think if you look at the public, I'm sorry, the private side, if you look at the private side, we know that design, build, construction management at risk, that those two delivery systems are thought of much more highly and used much more often in, in private sector work today. Well, there's a reason they do that. It's because it tends to be a more successful way to deliver a project. Sure. Makes sense. 
This wasn't on my list of questions, but as you were speaking, I was thinking about public projects that are supposed to roll out with the IIJA, ILJA, something like that. So those are what federal dollars for probably a lot of transportation and light rail and other projects. I wonder if those, we can wonder together if you know, please share if those are going to have to be the traditional delivery based on the mode in which the funding's coming, or if there might be a way to design, build some of those projects. Sure. I can't answer the question specifically because I think a lot will depend on the individual projects themselves. I can say, though, that the federal government does use alternative forms of delivery for their projects. In oh, that's fact, good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. The federal government, which is, I always like to say, who is the last owner that you think would use some of these? You know, people are like, well, it's federal. And the answer is, you know, no. Why? Because they've done gazillion projects. They've had all the bad experiences. They know there's a better way to do it. In fact, there is a selection criteria that does not look at cost or time or any of those traditional measures. It's all QBS, qualification-based selection. And the federal government uses QBS. They will go out and shortlist people. They will just say, all right, we are going to pick our construction partner based on their qualifications, based on their experience, their capacity, their abilities. We are going to just choose based on their qualifications. And really, when you start to think about it, that is the way most people choose other professional services. I had to get a orthopedic surgeon recently, and so what did I do? looking for who's the best. How do I measure best? Well, that's a little bit more challenging because I'm not a medical expert, but you know, you start looking and you start doing research and you figure out, okay, who's the best maybe for me? Okay. Sure. We do the same thing with lawyers and accountants and things like that. So we buy professional services oftentimes using that sort of metric, this history and tradition that we have in design and construction, you know, got to do the tried and true method. And, you know, in some cases, cases, that delivery system works fine. For some clients, that delivery system works really well. They do some things to augment the risk, but it's just not necessarily the best way to buy for everybody. My encouragement always is owners, make a conscious decision about your project delivery system. Remember, it's an execution strategy. What's best for you as an owner and for this project in particular. Because a lot of owners will find that there's not one delivery system that is their preferred. They will mix it up according to the type of project, the size of the project, complexity, things like that. That makes sense. So as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the QBS. Tell me again one more time what that stands for. QBS, Qualification-Based Selection. Great. I was trying not to think of the Home Shopping Network initials. (laughs) But anyway, so with that, let's say it is a public project and there are like diversity and inclusion or obviously disadvantaged business goals. Does that mesh with that? I guess I'm getting a little off topic, but how does that all play out when they are using that template for evaluating experience and firms, but yet they need to be and want to be inclusive? Oh, I think it could definitely augment inclusivity in general. If you're asking me to achieve a certain objective in terms of MWD in the traditional delivery system, right? I have to basically show you as the owner what I did in order to achieve those goals. 
And that is called a good faith effort, that I made the effort to be inclusive. The problem with being inclusive in a traditional delivery system is that in order for me to employ MWDs, am I going to make the assumption that my MWDs are going to be the low bidder in the work category that they're bidding on? If yes, that's great. If no, then do I make a decision which in effect adds cost to my proposal? to my bid in order to get the MWD participation or do I do something else? And most contractors are going to do something else. We're going to figure out ways to be inclusive while reducing the risk, while segmenting work scope so that we can award pieces of a project to MWDs and get participation numbers up. I don't think that's the best way to encourage MWD participation. And as you know, your original comment, does QBS help that? I think it certainly can. So as part of a QBS request for a proposal, if you want MWD participation, then put that in to the RFP so that now we're talking about specifically what is your firm going to do to not only attract MWD to the project, but employ MWD. Again, for those listening, sorry, excuse me, we're talking about minority and women disadvantaged businesses, just in case anybody's wondering what MWD is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Sometimes I just sort of (laughs) ramble on because I know what I mean. (laughs) No, that's okay. So I just want to be sure. Go ahead. If you want to encourage MWD participation, if that's a goal, right, we want to increase minority women and disadvantaged businesses. Or if you want to include emerging businesses, irregardless of the MWD, tag. There are certainly ways to do that. And how much more interesting would someone's proposal become under QBS if they had to articulate a specific plan to do that for this specific project? Sure. That makes a lot of sense in terms of the competitive nature of these style of bidding. We are almost at the end of our time. This has been a wonderful conversation with Steve Bannis from Washington University in St. Louis. And I could listen to you for hours, so we'll have to have you back on another episode if you can tolerate my questions. Love to. Thanks for having me. Oh, sure thing. And again, in this episode, we're delighted to welcome Steve Bannis, Director of Graduate Studies and Construction Management Programs at Washington University in St. Louis. And yes, Steve, just thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise with us in this episode of Build St. Louis. So please do come back again soon. You're most welcome, and I'd be happy to join anytime. Yay! Contegra is construction with integrity. We mean it, believe in it, and manifest it in all we do. Without structural integrity, a building won't endure. Without personal integrity, a client relationship won't grow. We develop and complete projects safely, on time, and within budget. Don't shy away from an aggressive timeline, nor from a project or vision that's years in the making. Contegra. Construction with integrity.